BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, the news broke at a pretty amusing time for me. I was just sitting down at Momofuku with Jared Weiss and KP. Jared was paying up for the Jason Tatum shooting 40% on three-pointers bet with some Wagyu beef. KP had already banged out a column on the summer league debuts of RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. And then the news broke and it was just an absolute mayhem ensued. Chris Haynes was about a minute before Shams and Woj. Haynes, uh, a rather comical tweet that Kawhi Leonard's camp was amused that he was reportedly headed to every team but the Clippers. And uh, everyone who had the reports of, oh, the Lakers are in the lead. Oh, he's 99% going to Toronto. Now it's 99.9% going to Toronto. I love that Kawhi just completely had everyone fooled. Total radio silence. Meanwhile, he's recruiting Paul George. And then the trade at the center to get Paul George to the Clippers, way more than Paul George could ever be worth on his own. But the Clippers probably thought of it as, hey, we're trading all this stuff for Kawhi and Paul George. So Kawhi going to sign a four-year max contract, about $140 million with the Clippers. No word on player option yet. I would assume he'll get one. And then what the hell happened, Danny, in this trade with OKC to get Paul George to the Clippers? I mean, it comes on the heels of what was a wild day, first day of Vegas Summer League. And this is, I mean, this is a seismic event. Really, it is for the NBA. <laughs> yeah, our second of the day. Second of the day. <laughs> and, and and I think that it does all feed together. And there are so many different threads that we'll try to go through as many as we can on this recording. But yeah, let's start with the terms of the trade because they're, they're stunning in, in the scope of, of the league and, and where everything is going. So... Actually, as a as a piece of logistical stuff, kind of before I get into the nuts and bolts, the, this trade works as a self-sufficient thing with salary matching. So what that means is that Kawhi Leonard presumably will sign first. They have enough space to do that. And then this trade will happen because it is it is not even the Clippers take on more than they send out, but it does fit the NBA trade rules. So what the trade is, is Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That is the salary. Those are the players under NBA contract. But then the Clippers are also trading their own firsts in 22, 24, and 26, plus the two firsts that they have acquired that belong that are from the Miami Heat, that's their 2021 unprotected and their 2023 lottery protected, which was from the Moharkless trade. And then the right, the, the uh, a pick swap in 23 and 25. So that is an absolutely massive haul. If you think of it as a two for one, then I mean, you could, you could justify it that way. But yeah, I mean, that's part of why this is so 
dramatic and so shocking is because it's not just one megastar, the finals MVP, going to the Clippers for three plus one. It's also the guy who finished third in regular season MVP going to the Clippers for, he has a two plus one left, but it's it's incredible. It really is. And we'll hit OKC's angle on this. We'll hit the angle for the Lakers. We'll hit the angle for the Raptors. We're going to get way deep into all this here. But let's just talk about what this Clippers team is right now. And they gave up so much here. What do they have as a possible championship contender going against the Lakers and their two stars, LeBron James and AD? Point guard, they re-signed Patrick Beverly. They actually just waived Tyrone Wallace. Shooting guard, they got Landry Shamet with Lou Williams uh, backing him up. Also got Sundarius Thornwell and Jerome Robinson at the two. So still pretty deep there. Small forward. Remember, they just traded for Mo Harkless a couple days ago. So uh, you've got Kawhi, Paul George, and Mo Harkless. All those guys, Moe's maybe more of a power forward, but all those guys are, you know, small forward-ish. So maybe you would say George uh, would play the two more like he did with, alongside Andre Robertson in OKC couple years ago but uh, you know so it's either george and leonard i I mean i think you probably go Kawhi and pg at the three and the four have harkless come in off the bench then there they still have montrez harrell they've got Ivica Zubac as a restricted free agent. They have plenty of room to hold on to his capital. They've also got Roddy Magruder on this team as a backup small forward. So unlike many teams that trade for guys like this, and yeah, they lost Gallo and they lost Shea, but really they go easily too deep, if not more, at every position. And with the two creators, Leonard and George, and you got Lou Williams, you don't really need a backup point guard that much. Well, and not only only that, they have the room exception. Yeah. Should they want to use that? And then we would assume there would be a desirable minimum contract destination as well, either now or in season. Yeah, so as of now, Clippers... Only ten players under contract. If you're gonna, if you want to count Zubac in there. Oh wait, I'm sorry. No, my sheet messed up when I pasted these guys in. One second. Yeah, twelve guys under contract. That's better. And plenty of room below the tax. Not that they would care. They'll pay it. Palmer, Palmer will be paying it. And so yeah, they've got three more roster spots to fill, and they have that room exception available. We'll talk about who the remaining free agents are in a little bit. I mean, I don't know how desirable a destination are they are just because the playing time aspect may not be available there i mean i think my biggest concern about this team is are they going to defend well enough i mean you know george and leonard both those guys to me have taken a little bit of a step back defensively together they should you would hope they can have a, a low enough load that they can bring it on defense when they need to and but harrell if he's going to be playing at center you know maybe not exactly what they need zubach has size but you know neither of the it's tough to have a really good defense when you don't have a great center and then lou williams is also not any good on d either now beverly is a solid defender at point guard and shamit showed some signs just as kind of an off the ball denial guy but you know not a great one-on-one stopper so maybe they'll need to make some more moves magruder obviously can get in that mix as well as the defender so their wing defense is awesome but their point guard and center defense is you know average at best i would say so but i mean they still despite making all these trades they've got a lot of like young guys who are guys who are on quality contracts here that they could still move to shore up their team if in fact it becomes apparent during the year that they need more defense to compete here right and while their their draft pick stores are dramatically lessened from where they were before they do have those other other pieces that can be used and 
a, diff, a defensive yeah, I mean, so, center. So they basically they have nothing left of any first-round pick that they can trade at this point. Is that correct? I actually think... They're twenty. They could probably trade their twenty twenty because they they sent their own picks out so far. I think they could do their twenty twenty. They and they, I think they might have done that deliberately because. The, oh yeah, because they only traded the three picks. They did. They yeah, they traded. They traded two four. four. They traded two four and six, and then two of Miami's picks. So yeah, I right. believe that means due to Stepien that they could trade their twenty twenty. Yeah, because they and they. Or is that or is that owed to somebody else? No, that's already resolved. Yeah. 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 So right, well, that's that's important. Then I mean, that's something where to have that level of flexibility to build around these guys. Now, you know, Kawhi is 28. George, in his late 20s, he just turned 29. And George, you know, was number three in MVP. He had these two shoulder surgeries. We'll see whether he's able to come back at the same level next year uh, or not. He had easily his best offensive season. This team has a ton of shooting. I mean, they're going to be completely unstoppable. Uh, And then the one thing that they kind of don't have is like just that great pick and roll player. And then they got Lou Will doing that uh, off the bench uh, as well. And and Shamit is such a fascinating fit with this team just as a a spacer, not necessarily a high usage guy can just can just make a lot of things happen, but doesn't have to have the ball to make so to make it happen. I'm really excited. And that's why I think their best right now and and their roster could obviously change between now and then would be George and Leonard at the three and the four and then Shamit and Beverly in the backcourt and then whatever center is best at that moment. Yeah, that seems right. I mean, there's just and Zubac is probably going to come back on, on a tradable contract as a restricted free agent. You would imagine so. They they have a lot of ways they can go here. Well, here's here's so. another thought. Depending on how they feel about Zubac's fit here, you could also make Zubac a human trade exception if they wanted to. Just load him up for that first year, yeah, and try to use that plus the first round pick to get the uh, to get somebody in the center price range that you want. That's a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, and they've still got Beverly uh, on a long contract. Lou, Lou Williams, who they've now guaranteed. I, I, I did kind of think that maybe something was up when they guaranteed Lou Williams. We said that, I think, uh, on the last show of like, hmm, that's like interesting timing there. Maybe that has something to do with why. Who knows? Maybe it didn't. But uh, to just guarantee a guy like that ahead of time, I mean, that just, I can't remember that type of a guarantee ever happening by a team. And this is also a team that for all of their kumbaya culture and all this that they've been trying to develop is also like a very real politic franchise that you know has traded away all kinds of guys pretty ruthlessly harris and blake among them so yeah i mean i mean this is crazy i guess we could talk a little bit more about just some of the reporting around the decision itself Kawhi out there recruiting paul george george then supposedly asked for a trade from okc now that gives okc great cover for doing a trade that they absolutely should have done anyway we'll talk more about what you know how they kind of get out of just not really going anywhere with this trade although they there may be much more coming now for them as well but a really expensive team that wasn't a contender they now don't have to continue with that any longer and it really is just fascinating how Kawhi ended up here and you know we're going to hear a lot about Oh, he really agonized, and but this is the place where he was supposed to be going a year ago, you know. And so this, the whole idea of all oh, these deals all get done, you know, maybe this is a 
you know, years before. Maybe it's a feather in the cap, or maybe it really is true that he wasn't going to pick the Clippers until he could get someone to go there. And then Kawhi, remember how Kawhi Leonard is like, you know, he's so quiet and taciturn and he never talks to anyone. Oh, except he just recruited Paul George to to join him in L.A. <laughs> uh, and we also knew that he had reached out to KD to see if he wanted to play with him at some point earlier. So it really did seem like Kawhi was very focused on the future going forward and and if we just turn to his decision a little bit i mean he obviously prioritized staying healthy i mean i think uh, it's clear to be that toronto did absolutely everything they could but you know going forward in toronto it was an aging core around him he still had siakam he maybe he could have turned into that second star but you know it seems like Kawhi didn't quite believe in that and of course there's the lure of playing it in LA as well and the Clippers had done this crazy recruitment and sending scouts to all of his games and like you know who knows whether he even was aware of that or not but so this is one in the ah, it was kind of preordained but maybe it wasn't because you know they didn't get George to do this uh, until just recently and congrats on everyone for being just so incredibly silent about it in two organizations the Clippers and the Thunder as well uh, my, and Michael Winger obviously with the Clippers has a great relationship with Sam Presti having worked there for years and years so they were able to work this one out it's in total secrecy and uh so if you were Kawhi, would you have picked the clippers knowing that paul george is going there as well would you have stayed in toronto i mean let's say let's say i mean you know we can't gauge a man's happiness or whatever but let's say just his only goal is winning as much as possible and winning on his own terms well i think in that context that what you would probably have done is do a one plus one with a with toronto with the eye towards going to the clippers in 2020 and then you kind of give them an opportunity to get their ducks in a row maybe they're not as urgent they don't have to give up as much i mean much clippers are probably the favorite in the west this oh, year no i think they're the favorite in the west and i also think i haven't gone through everything that remember i kind of scale things differently for the playoffs in the regular season thinking about a playoff series against the two teams that are the favorites right now in the east the the bucks and the sixers i think the clippers match up very well against both of them too so remember remember who defended Giannis best in the playoffs last year it just happened to be the guy who just joined the Clippers. So yeah, that's, well, the Clippers don't have like a big center to back right, them up right. right now either. Right now, uh, but who, they could. That could. That yeah. could be an adjustment. And I wonder how Marcus is feeling about opting in. And well, that's a thread we might not get into in this podcast, but it's interesting. And so, but onto the Kawhi thing, I think something, and I, this has been rattling through my head for the last two weeks, which is if Kawhi knew or felt or believed, whatever adjective you want to use, that he wasn't going to stick in Toronto long term, it is really hard, even whether you want to go injury history or anything else, to forestall the inevitable, to say, I want to go to the Clippers, but I don't want to do it right now. And so I started thinking to myself, I'm like, if he wants to leave, he might as well just do it now. And it was kind of a little bit too cute to do the idea of, oh, I'm going to stay there one more year, probably, you know, have a good shot at winning another title and all that kind of stuff. And so I started thinking, like, I think we're going to get clarity on what he really wants. And I had always, like, there, there's this skeptic, skepticism. I wasn't always sure it was the Clippers, but, like, being the playing with LeBron and AD, that's a very different thing than playing with Paul George, even if he helped recruit Paul George. And so, you know, the, that's the third contract. I, I, I've, I've always been obsessed with this idea of that's when you find out what a player really wants. And I I think Kawhi really got it together. He got the city that he wanted. He, even though Paul George finished third in MVP, I still think because he got the finals MVP, Kawhi's going to have a bigger hand in this legacy than he would have on the Lakers. And they're, I would say they're either, they're in the title mix at bare minimum for this year. So what Kawhi wanted was everything. And what he got was 
everything. Yeah, and the Clippers obviously as an organization impressed them. And you know, I think even with LeBron and AD there, but you know, they would have had basically nothing else other than minimums. But you know, maybe they could have gotten some pretty good minimums if Kawhi's on there. But you know, you got to deal with the whole LeBron thing. I'm sure the idea of like Rich Paul kind of running a lot of things with the Lakers didn't appeal to him a ton. And just the overall perhaps lack of confidence in the organization he did not have a familiarity with them then he tried to meet uh with magic johnson and chris carter who, who's been pretty plugged in uh, with Kawhi's camp said that all the media reports of like you know magic who's maybe the biggest blabbermouth in sports <laughs> to the media uh all of those reports getting out were not something that Kawhi particularly appreciated. And then, yeah, everyone went on radio silence after a while when it was made clear that, you know, we don't want all the details of these meetings getting out. And then there was the, you know, the flight to Toronto that people noticed. I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that, like, any of that had anything to do with them not wanting to go back to Toronto. I mean, I, and I do think that this probably gives them the best chance to set something up long-term sustainable as the leader of this franchise for years and years when I think there really was probably too much uncertainty in Toronto going forward and then you throw in the fact that you know he gets to go essentially back home and that was important to him as well well. so so so, I mean yeah he's leaving the NBA champion but I think in the long term you want to say all right it would Kawhi have won more championships over the next four years if he stayed in Toronto or went to the Clippers now I mean you say four-year deal in Toronto or four-year deal with the Clippers I mean the whole thing that we're like oh he'll just sign a one plus one but that is the problem right Danny like he doesn't need to sign a one plus one with the Clippers and then have to go through all this shit again next year I mean I think it was secret as they were I don't know that they enjoyed this process necessarily so like he didn't need to sign a one plus one with the Clippers and he would have probably would have felt it like he did with the Raptors I want to turn to the organizational standpoint and I don't want to do a full breakdown of, of you know everything that led to this point though you know maybe at a, at a at a different point in the process we will do that but just going through some of the assets that were a part of this trade remember that the Miami picks that were acquired in this deal one of those came from the Tobias Harris trade when they sent Tobias to the Philadelphia 76ers at the deadline a deal that we both thought was an absolute heist for the Clippers considering Harris was a pending free agent and ended up getting more money than the Clippers were willing to pay him for a damn good reason as as things turned out and then the other one they got in this in the salary dump of Mo Harkless a player that we think is a good player and is a, is a good fit for the team that is now created in Los Angeles then Tobias Harris they got in the Blake Griffin trade along with the pick that eventually kind of cycled around and became Shea Gilgis Alexander who again was an integral piece in this trade and so the Clippers were able to create value yeah there was some callousness I think is fair I mean I own the Pioneer shirt for a reason and that was before actually Blake Griffin got traded but they were able to build this base that then made it possible to give up enough to make this functional two-for-one trade. And there are a lot of franchises, I mean, more than 25, that would not have had the pieces to do this. And there might not be anybody who would have had the pieces to do this and stay desirable enough to build a, a, a legit championship team where the Clippers are and the Lakers, you know, in their current state or not. Yeah, that's an interesting question of whether the Lakers really are contenders. That'll be something to talk about too when we get to, to their moves. 
it seems like the Clippers were where he wanted to go all along and obviously winning the championship with the Raptors and then the idea that there wasn't necessarily a second star to go to LA probably gave him pause but I think it's very clear now what the reason for this delay was which was all right you got to recruit Paul George now you got to get this trade done and as soon as the trade is agreed on then Kawhi's like all right I'm gonna sign that's why all this broke all at the same time really and so that's why we had this radio silence and uh, all this stuff going on so i mean pretty impressive work by quiet again this is we've uh, just g- give everyone who was trying to paint like uncle dennis and like Kawhi's camp and oh they're so weird and like what are they doing and like you know this is amateur hour you know we there's all those insinuations as soon as things started with the spurs uh no actually that guy comes out looking like a fucking genius because He gets them out of San Antonio where he didn't want to be anymore, where they lost trust with medical staff. And frankly, where they didn't, he didn't have that great of a chance to win there. They kind of bungled things around him a little bit. You know, they really, they didn't have really that modern of an approach. They didn't, and they had some guys in the pipeline to be sure, but they were winning games, but there was no chance of really pairing another superstar there, whether that was geography or losing flexibility or whatever. I think that summer of 2017 in particular, where there was a hope that they were going to get someone maybe be in the Chris Paul sweepstakes and then that they couldn't get that done and ended up having to sign guys to like Pagasola to sign him to a bunch of money. They had no flexibility going forward after that. You know, I think that was actually huge. And then, of course, to have this issue with the quad and the lack of trust there. So they get him out of San Antonio to a team where he gets to win a championship as a one-year rental and then mastermind this entire thing to go to the Clippers and the Clippers are now I don't know if I would make them championship favorites I said we're gonna have to really think about this This gonna be such a wide open year this is awesome uh going into this year I mean no idea who the championship favorite is now um also to see the Warriors break up too I mean that's another reason to to go to the West now but I mean they his uh, from the whole radio silence thing to getting this deal done with nobody having any idea what was going on i really just masterful manipulation by i would say Kawhi's team more even than the clippers uh who obviously deserve a, a ton of credit as well and then maybe you could even throw this in i had posited this kind of as a joke in our chat a couple of days ago that Maybe he was just keeping the Lakers hanging just because he was going to go to the Clippers and he wanted them to have like the absolute fewest number of free agents available to sign. Well, he he could have waited another 12 hours and really put the screws to them that way. I think they probably would have figured it out at, at that point. Um, yeah, because then they they would have had to have consummated the AD, or AD trade pretty quickly there. Yeah, I mean, um, it would've, there would have been. And, and ha- fortunately now with this getting done the way that it did, as long as the Lakers use their money quickly, then the other trades can be consummated so those players can be a part of Summer League on the 6th, which yeah. is good. Well, and the whole Lakers thing just didn't make that much sense because – of the reasons you said about him, you know, not necessarily wanting to go somewhere and be playing second or even third fiddle, number one. And number two, just that, like the Lakers had been talked about for him at all. You know, I, I mean, and yeah, there were, they did a great job of keeping stuff quiet and nobody knew what he really wanted. But the 
this idea that he was suddenly going to like meet with the Lakers, LeBron, AD, you know, no indication. I mean, I guess he had worked out a little bit with LeBron at times, but that they're they're going to go from zero to 100 with the Lakers so quickly and he was going to just sign there. It just, that didn't quite add up to me. A lot of things about that didn't happen. I mean, sure, if you're the Lakers, you got to try. You know, I mean, they still got Danny Green, which is good. You know, I think KCP, people want to shit on him, but I, I think he's actually a totally solid option as a starting shooting guard. Um, So I don't know how badly the Lakers really ended up being hurt here. You know, who knows who would have gone there had they had more time, but they did get their guy in Danny Green. They didn't have to pay too much for me. I guess we could start, unless you anything more on the Clippers Danny we could talk well, about I think we I think we should go to OKC before the Lakers well I, I mean just, I think they're, they're a little quicker to do sure. so let's that's, I mean that's OKC we got a lot of stuff here so what did the Lakers do first of all they, they've made three signings so far yes they have so the first signing for them was Danny Green Green is getting a reported two years and 30 million that is less guaranteed than I expected. I, th- I thought he was going to be getting more of like a three or four year deal. Maybe he wanted something a little shorter there. But remember, he's 32. So that isn't necessarily the case. You mean he wanted something a little longer? Yes. Well, no, maybe he wanted something short. Maybe he was okay doing something shorter with the Lakers, wanted something longer somewhere else. It's possible. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm surprised. I was actually surprised that it only ended up at 30 million guarantee. I thought, especially with the Mavericks and Lakers bidding for his services, that it would go for more years uh, or more dollars. Uh, the Mavs, I mean, maybe they're, the Mavs are kind of doing this 2021 plan and they didn't want to go longer than two years and, and made the Lakers didn't either. I mean, the Lakers, they will have bird rights on him they can always re-sign him if he's still effective you know at age 34 uh, coming off this two-year contract but or maybe he just wanted to be in LA I've just especially with you know it seemed like the Lakers just have to had to get him I'm surprised the price is that low but I'm always surprised with how low the price is uh, on Danny Green yeah Um, that's been true for a while and then Contavious Caldwell Pope signed two years 16 million we haven't heard if if that's just a straight two-year deal or if there's any any modifications so we'll assume it's it's just straight for now and then they signed JaVale McGee two years 8.2 million with a player option we do not at this point know whether that is with cap space or with the room exception that will probably become clear by context over the next 24 hours we just don't have that as of when we're recording this so that means the Lakers either have 11 million in room or they could be using JaVale and taking out some of that cap sorry they have 11 million in cap space or they could have less in cap space and taking out JaVale and then have the full room room exception available. So either either one of those ways. Yeah, so really what they still need now is a point guard. Talk that Rondo could go back there. I abhor his fit there defensively. Uh, I mean, but, and they could also bring back Alex Caruso. I think that should be a big priority for them now. As region, I think he's actually fine as a backup point guard. Uh, but there's really not much else, much else out there. A return of Jeremy Lin seems unlikely. You know, you're looking at Devin Harris or Ray Felton or just like even fringier guys than that. You know, I mean, even they how old Neto is like no longer available. You know, I mean, there's really uh, not much out there. So it seems like LeBron's going to be playing a lot of point guard. And, you know, I think that makes it makes a little more sense now having Kuzma. If you really are just have nothing at point guard that, you know, LeBron will play the one more on offense. And then you've, you've got another guy who can score in Kuzma and of course AD as well. I mean, it would be nice to have one more player on this team who can run a pick and roll like KCP could do that a little bit you know more back in his Detroit days but you know he's not some great pick and roll operator so 
And unlike the Clippers, the Lakers are really at a loss as far as having the ability to trade for guys. You know, it sounds like Kyle Korver might sign there. They've got Dudley. They've got Troy Daniels. They're going to have plenty of shooting. Uh, And I mean, I think you just play LeBron at point guard in crunch time. It's just kind of for other times of the game when he's out or the regular season grind or whatever. You just need to have some more ball handling there. There also could be some guys available on the buyout market. I mean, I guess you could like look at a, a restricted offer for Tyus Jones or Dalon Wright at this point. Like, why not? Uh, well, well, the problem maybe, there yeah. is, is the timing for the Anthony Davis trade because that yeah. ev- that evaporates some of their space. And now, yeah. I mean, maybe they could they could manage to wait for two days. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it would it would annoy people, but like, is New Orleans going to back out of the deal? It's like twenty percent of the league is based has t- tendrils in on this trades. But you know, if everyone knows what's happening, uh, or, or you might be able to just say, hey, we're going to do this deal and will you let them out of it? That kind of thing. Uh, or you you could throw a second to Memphis to let you know to, to just do a sign and trade something along those lines. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing out there in terms of guys who can handle the ball at this point in time. I mean, it's really, really sparse. You know, maybe they might actually have a use for Jamal Crawford on this team, Danny. Yeah, just as a as a guy who can generate who can generate shots, I, I think that could be a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it really is not much. Quinn Cook is an unrestricted free agent. I think he would actually be an okay fit. Second unit, Mello. Oof, yeah, Mello can't really run much pick and roll either. But, no, I'm yeah, just I mean, thinking, I'm just thinking as a guy who can get shots up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think they they have enough of those guys. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean, it's going to be a very odd mismatch team. With the, they've got about 11 million in space left. There's still Marcus Morris out there. I mean, yet another combo forward. The two best players that are out there right now are are uh, Marcus Morris and Jamichael Green. Those are both combo forwards. And even Jabari wouldn't be a terrible fit, just as one more score. I'm uh, I'm but, surprised you haven't brought up Boogie yet. Yeah, I I, I mean, that's been talked about. Like he's going to end up there. That seemed like the obvious landing place. People have been talking about it, but I really just don't care for bringing it back there by the way the javel thing seems like a pretty big overpay doesn't it four million a year for him like, right who, who especially because that? especially because this is more than non-bird so like yeah. in that there the opportunity cost would have been a lot lower because you keep him at a low cap hold and, and you work through it but paying him more than that especially if you're giving him a player option you know like yeah. i think well, they could have done one or the other it might have been okay but and, both and so is, so what's i mean let's say they just get some piddling point guard who's not good enough to start and they fill out the rest of the way with shooters or something i mean so you got lebron kcp danny green kuzma and ad huh i mean that's just not quite enough ball i mean i actually like that group pretty well defensively yeah uh or maybe they bring kuzma off the bench and they start javel which i I really i mean i think you got to just play ad at center at this point but whatever maybe he just doesn't want to and you know they'll they'll just nominally protect him from having to play center how many roster spots do they have left now they're at and they just added three players. My sheet's all messed up for them because of the trade. Uh, so, yeah, they still got plenty of roster spots left. They, they got seven more roster spots to go here still. <laughs> this is just the number of players that have changed teams. Just massive players. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's not only like about half the league being free agents, but how many guys have changed destinations, and then the ripple effects in terms of trades and everything else. It's 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 truly. I mean, incredible. more than half of the ten best players in the league have changed teams this offseason. Well, there was that amazing stat. Uh, Haberstro had this, I think, about how how few players from the 2017 All Star game are still on the same teams. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, the 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 overhaul that's happened over the last couple of years. I, I think it's. 
yeah, I, I don't want to misstate the stat, so I'm not I'm not going to cite it. But it's yeah, it's I think it was incredible. like six or seven or something of like those the All Stars were still on the same team. But yeah, so it's going to be really interesting now too. I mean, the Clippers have the room exception; they'll be kind of competing for free agents still to some degree with the Lakers. I mean, I'd probably sign with the Lakers just they have a lot less depth than the Clippers do. So quickly here, we could because I, I want to spend a lot of time on OKC. Dallas is kind of burned here too. They're <laughs> waiting on Danny Green. They're not going to get him. And they also really you know need some kind of 3 and D option. Pretty big fail with $30 million in cap space. You traded away Harrison Barnes to open up this $30 million cap space. And all you've signed so far is Seth Curry. And then this cap space with the raises that Finney Smith and Klepa and Porzingis are getting is basically kind of gone now, essentially. So big fail for them. I mean, the draw, whatever draw they thought Doncic and Porzingis had, and maybe with Porzingis not having played in a year and a half, that doesn't help matters much. But they needed some kind of 3 and D option on the wing, and they brought in absolutely nobody who's close to that description. And, you know, I mean, maybe they signed, like, Marcus Morris at the 3. I mean, they've got so many bigs and stuff on the on the team. I mean, maybe you just say, hey, you know what? Let's just sign good players on two-year deals just to have them, and we'll try and trade them, and they'll, they'll be useful because this cap space is kind of going away anyway next year. You know, so maybe Morris or Jermichael Green could end up there just because they have the most money. But that's this is a big time fail of an offseason for Dallas yet again striking out in the free agent market it's just a, a even when they decided oh we're not even going to try for the big fish anymore because they realized they weren't going to get them they couldn't even get any medium-sized fish despite being able to offer more money it seemed like yeah it's really disappointing but then remember that they also spent money on some long-term contracts so that 2021 vision isn't as clear now as it would have been no. before they gave Dwight Powell as much money or and I'm not criticizing other than Powell some of the contracts they signed it's just that they went longer on some of them and so those things all fit together and so yeah I mean that's it, it, it they are a pretty big loser as of now and the problem for Dallas is there aren't as many ways to to fix that because even some of the like veterans that have gotten traded who probably could help them they're more settled in their spot like Mo Harkless I mean maybe they could get somebody like him if they really wanted to or maybe they could get involved in the Igu- dollar derby but they're not going to get the first round pick like memphis did they'd probably be trying to take one of those guys straight up or jay crowder or something like that dude i mean yeah it's uh that's pretty tough all right let's look at okc now this is just do you agree with my assessment that they were kind of stuck though yes i i hundred percent agree and there is an argument to be made that the thunder were closer last year but because of the fall that they had when paul george got hurt and then getting knocked out of the playoffs i I think there is some validity that argument but that would not have meant that if you know were it not for paul george getting hurt they would have won the west or anything like that they would have had a better chance than what ended up happening but they were an extremely expensive team i think that their best days had already passed as concerning as that was and they still had money for a long term so this provides a bit of clarity and i talked in a, in a previous episode about this was in the context of the clippers of all teams about how facilitators can really get compensated in the nba and this isn't quite that this was more of a leverage play than a facilitation but they did exceedingly well mostly on the strength of having exactly the guy that the clippers wanted and the clippers effectively treating as a two for one and just basically being able to kind of like the pelicans did with anthony davis just ask for more and more and more and know that the other team doesn't have enough recourse to say no yeah with the clippers essentially in okc knowing 
that, I mean, number one, George is under contract for two years now. In theory, they didn't want to stick with a disgruntled superstar and all that. Again, I think, you know, not that they're like desperate to get rid of Paul George, but this is like kind of a godsend in some ways, I think, because it's just, especially being like, oh, well, he wanted out. We have to do it. Well, and and there are parallels there with James Harden. You know, that, that it was that Oklahoma City, once a player makes it kind of clear that they don't want to be there anymore, they're more willing to pull the trigger. And I wonder how that will affect future negotiations. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that James Harden never made it clear that he didn't want to be there but well uh, there was a perception just by just by turning down yes the most money that they were gonna offer him yeah i mean so like their team isn't that terrible right now though i mean like like, but the big problem now though and and they're still quite in the tax uh they saved some money on this trade but about uh, six and a half million yeah they're still 15 million bucks into the tax repeater tax bill 44 million dollars i mean there's no way they're gonna pay that this year they're just not going to do it and so their team's out there with space still shoot maybe they trade somebody to the lakers who can play you know maybe dennis Schroeder to the lakers is the next thing that we're gonna see just straight up dump him on the lakers who uh, i think the lakers might not have space for that anymore uh that i mean that would be a coup of a trade for okc you could see the lakers thinking that he's good but whatever uh yeah i mean somebody is gonna have to go i mean and and after all these guys expire they actually have 14 million in space now for next year in theory but now the biggest thing and you might say okay you know they could actually be a pretty decent team maybe they dump Schroeder because they've got Shea now and they've got Westbrook but Shea and Westbrook are not a good fit together basically no one is a good fit in the backcourt with Russell Westbrook he's very ball dominant he can't shoot Shea can play a little off the ball his three-pointer is coming along but there are a lot of people who are a big believer in him I mean he is a guy who they think is the is the point guard of the future the Clippers certainly felt that I'm not as high on him as a lot of people are as like a future all-star type of guy something like that I think he's gonna just be more kind of a solid starter type which is you know certainly valuable at point guard and he was he was an effective player last year as a 19 year old rookie which you don't often see so now the question is the russell westbrook trade i mean there's it really if you didn't trade for shea maybe you just say all right you know we'll kind of let the team age around russ and then he can retire here or whatever just a reminder four years left on that super max deal culminating in a 47 million dollar player option in the 22-23 season and in a lot of ways that's only going to get worse right Russbrook at least made the all-star team this year he made all nba even though i thought that was ridiculous so there's still a thought that you're getting an all nba player and there are probably some teams especially ones that don't have a lot of flexibility going forward that might want to trade for him i will just we're totally spitballing here but as you just kind of go through the teams does anyone pop out to you as a possible westbrook destination the first one i thought of was the orlando magic and the reason why is that they need long-term point guard play and they have a lot of they don't have filler salary for nearly as long but they have enough to kind of get towards the number aaron gordon could potentially be a part of it fournier mozgov some combination of those three they could even use markel fultz in the deal depending on how it was going to be structured or august you know because augustine functionally would be replaced by yeah. westbrook I, I think that makes some sense and orlando by virtue of what they did earlier this offseason it seems like they're more present focused than i would be but if you acquire russell westbrook that lines up with that vision um what about the dallas mavericks oh i don't like russ and luca together 
But, I mean, I, I don't could, either. But I could but, see it, yeah. But, I mean, they don't really have much at point guard. And they've got Curry and they've got Jan uh, Brunson. But neither of those guys is like a fixture type. So, I mean, Russ and Porzingis would be an awesome fit together. Um, yeah, give Russ like space a great, as a driver. Yeah, exactly. Let him, let him get downhill. Um, yeah, I mean, Luca could play off the ball. You know, Russ, it's not like he's never played with another wing or something like uh, now i wouldn't make that trade if our dallas is just such a bad contract going forward but i mean that, it's an issue and they have 24 million in room they would have to match salary to some degree but here's here's a fun one what about minnesota for something involving wiggins yeah i mean two of the five worst contracts in the nba from our uh from our analysis on the pod that we did well like and, a, a and westbrook and towns make some of the same sense that westbrook porzingis does and they've yeah. already basically replaced wiggins i mean they meaning minnesota with getting jerk culver so yeah. and oh and wiggins well, I, could, well, I could see wiggins too. being somebody that presty yeah. likes I, could, I mean you know in terms of the physical profile not the mental part maybe yeah i mean the lakers could be one too that they now some of these guys would you know it would have to be like danny green and kcp like those are the guys you'd have to trade maybe kuzma is in that deal lakers don't have any first i mean that's the interesting thing is just like you know what what are they going to get for them and how long do they do they feel like they can go with shea and russ together maybe schroeder is going to be the first to go i mean when you see some of the contracts that were handed out i mean i don't think schroeder is a quality player but there are probably teams that think he's a quality starter and he's paid you know less than someone like ricky rubio got there are probably teams that actually think schroeder is better than rubio those teams are incorrect in my opinion but so yeah i mean okc clearly is going to cut salary in some fashion atlanta has about 13 million in room dallas has some I mean, maybe dallas starts to play the the bad contract game that's about it as far as having sizable room to just take on salaries and obviously we've seen atlanta and, and okc work together on some of these dumps previously and the Lakers still have 11 million in space. They could be a partner for one of the smaller contracts, even if they can't say anything back. But I mean, OKC, they just had to do this and start the rebuild and to get Shea. I mean, Gallo is another guy who could easily be on the move. I, it's I'm very interested to see what their plan is now. Do they just kind of keep these guys, you know, Russ and and Gallo? I mean, this could be a playoff team, possibly. I mean, they've got very little on the wing but you know if robertson comes back maybe he could be their defensive stopper and they still kind of have this weird team with not enough shooting you know their one really premium shooter is now in la so i think they'd probably be more likely than not to miss the playoffs i guess gallo is is a good shooter that they're getting back but that like there's a lot of guys who are assets that don't really fit into what you would think the long-term plan would be i mean maybe the party line is to me oh we're just going to try to still build around russ and stay competitive and now we've got all these draft picks so we don't need to totally rebuild we'll see uh, anything else on them i mean steven adams has already been very available there's there's it seems like basically anyone on the roster with any kind of a sizable contract is gettable now for okc yeah i, I think that's there what what the play is with gallinari is notable because if they want to be more competitive in the immediate i think gallinari can be an important part of that but the second they start sliding away from something else, then you could see him being moved, you know, in, in almost any other direction. Uh, so we go to Toronto now. This is pretty depressing, isn't it? Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, 
I'm sure that, that well, if there's a shorthand that could be used of the banners fly forever, the argument with Masai Ujiri, but both of us believe that the Kawhi Leonard trade was worth pursuing for them, even if it hadn't ended in a championship. Oh, of course it was. I mean, this is a, yeah, it was but, a fantastic to... deal for them. They were, you know, it, it, the opportunity cost was not that great. Yeah, you have the emotional cost of losing DeMar DeRozan, a player who's going to get his number retired in all likelihood for the franchise, but they added a fantastic player. They also added Danny Green, an integral part of their championship. And outside of DeRozan... Yeah, no, clearly it was worth it to do the trade. It's right. just like kind of a bummer compared to like take all the air out of like how happy you were at the championship yeah. and now you don't even get to like celebrate, celebrate the guy still being there yeah and and you know so that'll mean more of a moment for for kyle lowry you know at the like i was thinking just about the logistics of the ring ceremony today like that's gonna be like tonight i i think that'll be weird you know yeah, with i mean i presume Kawhi is still gonna get like wildly cheered oh, when he comes to toronto i right? would assume so but but you know but you know the whole having that team together or as many people as you can yeah that you know unless they do that game against clippers which they almost definitely will not because that's the only time they're coming and the nba does not cannibalize those to make it an opening night matchup so um well, well real, real quickly like i mean the, the other reason it's kind of depressing to me for toronto is like we'd like to believe that if you do everything right like because what we've always been saying like like ad right no sympathy for the Pelicans that he wanted to be traded. Like, they had him. He was a great player. He was there for seven years. They didn't build anything remotely as a contender around him, and he ends up leaving. All right. Like, that's, I had no sympathy for them. I had no sympathy for these small markets who moves, lose stars who that you just couldn't build around. That's not this. I mean, granted, Kawhi wasn't there for seven years, but like they did everything perfectly. And just what must you be feeling like if you're in Toronto or even a Canadian? Thinking about like, man, like we just won a championship with this guy. We kept him healthy. We, this team was awesome. Our process was unbelievable. And even that wasn't enough to get this guy to stay because I guess he just wanted to be in a different market. And yeah, part of it was getting this Paul George thing to happen. Maybe he stays in Toronto if this Paul George thing can't be made to happen. But it's just like, that's really a bummer. Like this is, this is a nail in the idea that, all right, anybody can build a sustainable championship team if you're just managed well. They were managed as well as you could possibly be managed and it still wasn't good enough. Even OKC, right, with KD leaving, it's like, all right, you know, they had the Harden trade. They let him go. Russ, you know, he didn't really like playing with him. Their coaches weren't that great. They traded for Dion Waiters and Ennis Cantor, and that's the big bullets they use. Like, all right, you could point to all these things they did to screw up. You can't do that with Toronto, and they still lost the guy. That just, that's got to just suck. It, it absolutely does. And it's also a reminder of the importance of team control in having the uncertainty that comes with players becoming unrestricted free agents and they can value, they can prioritize whatever they wanted. And we saw that with, with Kawhi. We saw it with, with various players over the course of this offseason to fascinating effect in certain circumstances. And it is true, you know, the the argument that if you do everything right, that, that good things can that good things will come yeah. from it. It is unfortunate, but that's that's a yeah, part I mean, of the you can also look at it as, hey, it's a good thing they they got this guy and they knew the risks of getting him, and it was the trade was still worth it. So I mean, that's, right. I, I would skew more towards that, but you still got to be. No, no, it's it, it's both. I, I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think that it's both, and you you are happy for the way you're happy for the successes, and unfortunate for kind of what it means in the big picture, and. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi, it, it does seem like... And, and But at the same point, you know, the Raptors, by everything going right, it certainly appears that they got really close. 
and remember that they didn't start this process really close. You know, they were, you know, he he wasn't on apparently their, he wasn't <laughs> on their list or anything like that. And so that that should be at least a slight positive that they went from being, you know, probably not super seriously considered to being a part of that final thing with the two franchises that were closest to where Kawhi Leonard grew up that both had max cap space and could put very good teams around him. Like that's getting into that conversation when your connection was one year with the dude. I do think that there's something important to be said about that, but they won a championship. They managed him really well. As you said, they did everything right. I I think that is really true. And how Masai Ujiri handles this next step is, is interesting because now you get into some of the harder decisions. You know, I, I have I have a piece in my head that I haven't written yet about the Warriors about like easy decisions versus hard decisions. And now how they handle Kyle Lowry, how they handle Serge Ibaka after this year. Maybe you, you know, kind of take... Marcus Yeah, Marcus Gasol. Maybe you take this as, you know, like if those guys are willing to take a reasonable contract, you write it out a little bit. Or maybe... I think you run out the 1920 season, you know, unless somebody makes an irresponsible offer, you you run that out. But maybe they say, hey, this was a great run. It, it, it had its pinnacle. And then we build the next great Raptors team. Siakam is going to have a super low cap hold in 2020. He's going to be a, 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 he'll be a free agent unless they sign him to an extension. And then you just build it out from there. And there aren't a ton of great free agents in 2020, but there will be at some point in the future. And the Raptors, their brand has to be really strong right now. I mean, they did everything right for Kawhi. They won a championship. It seems like a lot of players have really enjoyed being there. So I don't know. I don't have a feel yet for how Masai is going to handle this, but it is a very different thought process and conversation on July 6th than it was on July 4th. Yeah, I mean, you would think that you talk to Lowry and Gasol and Ibaka and, you know, if they all really want to be there and, you know, try to get the seventh seed or something this year. I mean, keep in mind, they were, what, 17 and four without Kawhi last year or something. I mean, this could be a solid regular season team. They've and you know, Lowry is still a, an excellent player and maybe they can try to have an ecosystem around Siakam where he can take the next step into being an all-star player get Ananobi back uh, get him towards being back part of this foundation again after the last year a, a year ago but you know I think we've heard I mean since the moment that Masai took over that he was looking to rebuild and then Cal Lowry and, and they made that Rudy Gay trade and, and Lowry blossomed into an all-star and DeRozan blossomed into an all-star and they have been building from that ever since to this moment and now perhaps Messiah will finally get his rebuild also perhaps maybe that Washington job looks a little better now that Kawhi is gone you know I mean maybe that's I mean he's has never officially turned that down Brian Windhorst said that he it looked like it was going to happen but maybe now he, he considers that again and you know Washington is still working with the interim GM Tommy Shepard right now but I think they would listen on on Lowry and Gasol and Ibaka and see if those guys would want to stay I mean it would be nice if Lowry could just kind of re- retire as a Raptor and sign another contract with the team or maybe you just keep this team around and maybe Siakam take such a big step that you're a five seed or a four seed I mean that's you know you don't have to rebuild like you can make the playoffs to be a solid team for a year if you're you know not getting like first round picks for these guys why not just keep them around and get to there unless you really want to uh improve your draft pick and miss the playoffs but I don't I don't think they're really in a position to miss the playoffs uh at this point so I'm sure all these guys will be available I don't know if they're very available um 
But I, I, I mean, I'm just kind of bummed out for Toronto fans right now in a way that I wasn't necessarily for some of these other free agent departures. I mean, they won the championship and the guy left. I mean, that's just, that's just, it's never happened before. And, you know, we didn't get to see whether KD would have left Golden State if they had won the championship. I mean, it sure seemed like there was an assumption that they were going to win it up until the injuries and he was going to leave anyway. So maybe he would have done it too. But I mean, this is, this has never happened before. Like that, this is totally unprecedented to win a championship and then have a, a free agent who's this good leave yeah i can't think of a parallel so no it, i mean people have written about this it, it definitely has not happened so uh, i mean you know Shaq left the lakers was traded but you know there's those are teams that lost in the finals like yeah. that is, is, it's a difference to actually winning the championship um and obviously KD leaving well, yeah, and like and like Kawhi. Well i'm sorry Kyrie was traded but that was after a year that they didn't win it so so let's talk about the two other massive winners tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers, who are now basically positioned to be a top the East, you would hope for years to come. But I mean, if you're the Bucks, not only are you looking like, I mean, I think they'll probably be my favorites the next year to come out of the East. Not that Philly, I mean, Philly is such a weird team and such a good defensive team, the way they're built now that you could see them easily like causing real matchup problems for Milwaukee and beating them in a series. But I think the, you know, the Bucks combination of offense and defense might still be the best in the league. I mean, they're probably, I think, a good bet to be the best regular season team again next year, barring some injuries. But then you also consider that Giannis has the Supermax to sign next year. Malik Andrews reporting that if they make it to the finals next year, that would be a big factor for him in signing that Supermax. I mean, the Bucks look now all of a sudden set up to be one of the two teams that could go to the finals for the next like four or five years and that makes it much more likely to be that Giannis is going to stick around uh and Philly has all their guys under contract going forward as well Boston they're going to need a lot of development from their young guys and they're going to need to figure out uh how to get better defensively and maybe find a center somehow now keep in mind they have a lot of assets still going forward too so maybe having signed Kemba Walker they try to throw that Memphis pick in some of their own future first rounders in and try to get a center who can really boost their defense and all of a sudden then maybe they're in that mix with philly and boston again but yeah i mean this is such good news for philly and milwaukee well I mean, we those should we should also mention brooklyn in this. brooklyn they're not well gonna, yeah but i'm talking yeah, yeah i guess because because when you're talking years to come i mean for the for the present year no brooklyn is not in in contention to me with those teams. Uh, I, I am given the history of returns from Achilles tears, Kyrie's questionable health, and Brooklyn is a well-managed team to be sure. Maybe some of their young guys will pop too. You know, that's always a possibility they could make some trades. Yeah, they probably should be mentioned in this, but I, I, I still think that, especially because you're trying to get Giannis to sign that Supermax next summer, Brooklyn's not going to be a factor likely in the playoffs next year. So, I mean, unless man, maybe KD comes back, I'm still not totally ruling that out. Um, even though it seems like most people have, and maybe he has too. But um, but yeah, I mean, hard to imagine he could propel Brooklyn past Milwaukee or, or Philly. Well, and, and um, it's a little bit, but yeah. it's a little bit early and a little bit presumptive to get all the way into this. But also, the potential rising teams in the East, I don't think they're particularly threatening in the very near term. You know, like there there isn't like a clear cut MVP candidate, like for or like a, a a burgeoning star really coming out of the bottom. I mean, you and I both really like Trey Burke. And but like Orlando, I don't think that they have that the, kind the, of a ceiling. Uh, Trey Young, Trey Young. Sorry, Trey we, Young. We do it. Yeah. I'll keep Trey, doing. Trey Burke, I'll, I'll keep uh, doing that for the rest of my life, unfortunately. But so <laughs> like, but Orlando and Detroit and Miami, 
Charlotte, you know, a lot of the, like the, those teams don't really have those type players. I think the Wizards are going to trade Bradley Beal at some point, hopefully. I mean, just considering where that team is going. So maybe it's the Hawks or somebody else like that, but there isn't this clear cut option to be like, a, you know, like a, a sleeping giant type of team as well. And so that leads to the idea that the, the strong teams are going to stay strong, at least for a little while longer. All right, anything else on this whole Kawhi thing, or should we get to the rest of the news here? It's not a ton, but some to talk about here still. Well, just, I mean, we're going to have to think about it for a little while, but the power dynamics in the West are really interesting too. And I I talked about this a little bit with Chris Herring on the Real Jam Radio that came out on Thursday about how many playoff caliber teams I think they're going to be in the the fringe in there. And like, so it's going to be insane insane and and there's gonna i mean the top four of like the lakers the clippers the jazz houston i mean that's like i think that's probably my top four right now but then and then the scrum below that i mean it's really only probably memphis and phoenix that you're counting out right now for the playoffs right yeah that's what i was getting into was the idea that like the fringe the fringe teams include both franchises that have been in recently and are maybe taking a step back and then these teams that could be taking a step up and it's it's a huge group so there's another trade that took place today cj miles going from the memphis grizzlies to the washington wizards for dwight howard a straight-up trade that saves memphis 3.1 million cj miles immediately becomes the most accomplished three-man on washington's roster still not providing them any defense whatsoever but at least he can play the three shoot a little bit give them some kind of a chance uh, around Bradley Beal. I mean, quietly, they actually weren't a bad offensive team last year, even after Walt went down. It was just the, the defense, which was so bad all year. So uh, basically, the Grizz want to open up some more space to match a possible Dale and Wright offer sheet under the tax. They also waive Avery Bradley today. You recall he pushes guarantee date back to July 8th, but it seems apparent now that with some of the other trades the Grizz have done, whatever they were thinking of doing with Bradley uh, or anybody wanting to just take him is just not going to happen. So they waived him a couple days earlier than they guarantee date to try and give him a, another place to go. So, I mean, the motivation for Washington is just they still have two centers. They've got Yamahimi and Thomas Bryant, and they can upgrade to CJ Miles at the three. And Howard, you know, who knows whether he's healthy or not, but he probably was going to play for them. And then Memphis is going to likely waive or trade Dwight Howard. Yeah, and this is a notable kind of difference in valuation because you can make an argument that CJ Miles is simultaneously worth more than three point one million to the Washington Wizards and worth less than three point one million to the Memphis Grizzlies because of how their rotation structure out and the timelines and everything else like that. So I, I understand this trade from each team's perspective. And if Dwight Howard is basically dead money, yeah, I, I kinda get it from from Washington's that even though I don't love CJ Miles, I think he he's limited and you know it's kind of short term and all that kind of stuff but it's not like there were other great options on the table and the wizards struck out you know like that that they foreclosed on some great opportunities because they they traded for cj miles i don't think that's true at all and for memphis they had more guys than they knew what to do with and they already had plenty of options kind of on the on the forward line now it's possible that thins out even more over the course this year but remember that memphis probably not definitely but probably will not be super competitive this year anyway so even if cj miles outperforms expectations that wouldn't have brought that much to the table for memphis because they're not super focused on being you know maxing out for this year yeah and then a right offer sheet is supposedly coming from dallas 
Tim McMahon reported that Memphis plans to match any reasonable offer, but we should find out today, I would imagine, uh, what that offer sheet is for Wright. I, I think, you know, given what the point guard market has been, somewhere around the $10 million a year range would be about right for him maybe down in the $8 million a year range. But, you know, again, this point guard market has just been inflated. And as a 27-year-old who, you know, I think is a towards the lower end of the league starting point guard, but I think he could start for them in theory. He had a couple of triple doubles down the end of the year, which were uh, comically celebrated by uh, everyone around the Grizz. So we'll see what this offer sheet is from Dallas. I mean, we talked earlier about how they kind of just struck out. I don't know how much I love the fit of him next to Porzingis due to his lack of shooting. But again, Dallas uh, doesn't have much else to do with their money. And they do need something more at point guard, especially someone who can defend as well on the perimeter. They really are, are short on that. Overall, a uh, couple of quick hitters here. Uh, Didi Luzada, who's the number 35 overall pick, uh, ending up with the Pels. I liked him at the Hoop Summit this year. He's going to actually go on a draft and stash deal with the Sydney Kings. He's got an NBA out next year. He is going to be part of their Rising Stars, or I'm sorry, the Next Stars program, uh, according to John Gavoni. And then in New York, Alfred Payton, per Ian Begley, is going to be given every chance to start Danny with uh, Dennis Smith, presumably his competition there. RJ Barrett's going to have a fascinating year. Yeah, remember when uh, RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson <laughs> played each other today? And that was huge news. It, it was absolutely electric in the arena, by Oof. the way, for, yeah, for Zion. I mean, ever like the whole lower bowl was standing up for his warmups, and then you know he. he kind of struggled but he also had just some pretty nasty plays too uh i mean obviously we'll do our summer league prospect review and talk much more about them and every other prospect and every other team uh what else we got here news wise after it seems like at least flirting with the idea of returning to the nba nando Ducolo is going back to europe he's going to play in turkey do you want to pronounce the name of the team i'm notoriously bad at pronouncing this team's oh fenerbahce yeah i'm just bad at it yeah so he's going back to fenerbahce and another piece of of news which makes the bulls offseason which I think we both liked oh, yeah. a lot better is that and again this is this is a hallmark for those of you who've listened to dunked on over the years the actual terms of the three prominent free agent contracts they've signed are all more favorable to the team than the initial reporting Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadoransky have partial guarantees in the final year of their three three season contracts and then Ryan Archdiakono his third year is a team option so it is so all of those deals look they I think overall they looked very good for the Bulls in the first place now they look a whole lot better yeah it's unclear what mechanism they use to sign Luke Cornett uh, terms on that have yet to be released whether that's the room exception or, or uh, any remaining cap space that, that they may have had based on how they structured uh, some of these deals but yeah I mean that's so the plan now is 2021 cap space for the Bulls but I mean to get two guys that can fit with these young guys I thought Kobe White looked okay today uh you know one summer league game obviously so let's not go crazy but they're at the point now whereas you you and I have often talked about they have enough of an ecosystem around these young guys to see to give them a fighting chance to emerge and so now it's really just on Zach Levine and Larry Markkinen and Wendell Carter and Kobe White to emerge among solid veterans like Otto Porter Young Sadoransky you know I'm gonna think about this but I I wouldn't totally rule out the playoffs for the Bulls this year which uh you know I've been lower on them the last couple years than a lot of people have but I think there's uh might be some light at the end of the tournament it is a shame though that we're not gonna get to see uh Wendell Carter in summer league other news the Kings waived Frank Mason the third 
With the signing of Corey Joseph, they also picked up Yogi Ferrell's guarantee for this year. So didn't make sense to have a fourth point guard on the roster. Mason might be a, a potential claim candidate for someone. Hey, the Lakers <laughs> could probably use him, frankly. Uh, and I think that is all we've got here on yet another marathon late night podcast here, Danny. I, I'm, I'm ready to not be doing any of these for a little while. Well, I, I was going to say that seems likely, but it's the NBA. You never know. Yeah. I mean, that said, I, I'm fine. Oh, if it's something was, crazy this like this. This was 100% worth it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, so we got some more Summer League to get to. Uh, anything else to talk about before we go? Well, if people haven't listened to it, the podcast that I did with Chris Herring for Real Jam Radio, that was fun. We t- we we kind of left the Kawhi issue on the table. We, we, you know, we talked about it a, a little bit, but did more on the Warriors and the Nets, which was fun with him, and then some of the other off-seasons that have interested us. And then also, I'm, I presume I'm going to do a write-up of the Kawhi deal for the Athletics. You can check that out there, and I'll have other pieces over the next little while. All right, and uh, I have this podcast, <laughs> and that's it. So we'll talk to you all at some point next week. Not sure when it'll be. Uh, what the pace of news is we'll definitely have a thursday show next week we're gonna be going back to two days a week now uh, for the off season gonna do some teaching at sports business classroom this week as well that's always a a great chance to uh connect with people and uh we'll talk to y'all i don't know maybe thursday unless something major happens till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 